0: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Special shout-out to my good friend, Yoshiko Dart. I am so excited about our show today. We are off to a great year, and I have to specifically thank our major sponsor, our lead sponsor, Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And then we have two other sponsors. One is Audio Eye and our newest sponsor that just jumped on is Covestro. And I thank all of them. I appreciate everything that they're doing uh, because they're helping me make a difference. Today, I have a great person on the show. All I can say is he's wonderful. That's it. He's wonderful. <laughs> he is the real deal. He has a passion for children with disabilities, um, and I am proud to say that he is one of my friends, and I'd like to welcome to the show today Charlie Lavalley, Chief Executive Officer of Variety, the Children's Charity. Charlie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Joyce. It's always great to be with you, and And thank you always for all that you do for people with disabilities, children and adults, and how you inspire all of us to care more. Thank you.
0: Well, you'll never believe... Thank you, Charlie. You'll never believe this, but I'm at Highmark today, and I run into this young woman, um, and I think she's new at Highmark, and I said, oh, where are you off to? She said, oh, I'm going to go volunteer at the Caring Place. (laughs) I said, you'll never believe who's on my show today. So that gives me a great uh, segue. Uh, Charlie, could you tell our listeners about the Caring Place and how you became involved? Because I really believe that just provided the solid footing to where you are today.
1: Sure. Well, I was at Highmark and the Caring Foundation directing the programs for children for the uninsured. And Highmark, your lead sponsor who you recognize created the first program for uninsured children in the nation back in the 80s after steel collapsed. And that became the model in Pennsylvania and in the nation for the Children's Health Insurance Program, which helps 10 million children a year. So, you know, what a phenomenal thing Highmark did responding to the community. And as we knew the legislation was going to pass at the federal level, which would provide the funding, Um, we had started out as a private philanthropic program, I said to the team, let's look for another unmet need of children. And as you know, because it's happened to you, sometimes your personal and professional life collide. And my stepson died, and my son Daniel was six when he lost his brother. And so Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, our good friend, said to me, take your heartache and do something with it. And I was like, Fred, I'm crushed. How can you give me advice now? But he was right. And so as we looked into it, what we found incredulously was that there were really no programs targeting the needs of grieving children. And now what we realize is that one out of five kids will have a significant death before they graduate high school. One out of 20 will lose a parent before they graduate high school. And so what we found, uh, thanks to Fred and his encouragement in our own tragedy, was an unmet need. And again, Highmark, willing to commit the resources and the funding, is the only um, insurer in the nation having made a major commitment to the needs of grieving children. So the caring place, there's four of them um, <coughs> downtown Pittsburgh, um, <coughs> Warrendale, which is north of Pittsburgh, Erie, Pennsylvania, and Harrisburg in the center of the state. They're all dedicated. Um, to having support programs, because, as you know grief isn't an is not an illness um, it 's just your heart is broken, uh you know when you lost your mom, and uh it can happen at any age, but how tragic when it happens to children so it 's incredible what the caring place is doing to help grieving children and their families, and especially quite frankly, as we 're in the midst of this uh, opioid crisis. You know more families are being touched by it, and uh uh now families are coming not just because of a breast cancer death of a mom or a heart attack of a dad, but you know um more being affected by um addiction and the death of uh someone close in their family so you know um I'm so thankful that Fred um uh, spoke up, but that would be Mr. Rogers, um, always looking for another way to serve children. And uh, here, once again, Highmark has established a model for the nation.
0: How long ago was that, Charlie?
1: The Caring Place building will be 20 years this year, 1997. Well, it was built, and um, uh, so tens and tens of thousands of uh, Kids and their families have been impacted now. And it's, uh, I think, real legacy to Highmark, you know, um, looking for an unmet need and being willing to um, do that. And I was just with a, an educator, an executive director of an um, intermediate unit in Pennsylvania recently, and he said to me what he did not realize when he went into education was that the number of children that would be impacted by death before they graduate high school and i think it is a surprise um to many people and you know we don't really know how to talk to kids when they've had a death we're, we're we're we stumble through it with um adults we want to give advice instead of listening and so it's great that the kids have a place they can go and that they can get support from other kids um you know who are walking a similar journey and know you're not alone and that's what my son daniel would say um, here he is now, a volunteer at the Caring Place, 20-plus uh, years after the death of his brother. And he would say for him it was just terrific knowing he wasn't alone, that there were other kids who were facing um, you know, uh, the similar journey through having a death of a loved one.
0: And I agree with you. That helps people so much. It's the same thing with epilepsy. When you meet other people with epilepsy, it's like, wow, I'm not the only one. And, Charlie, that is just a wonderful thing and um, a wonderful thing that you did. It's always one decision. It's amazing how, how that can change the world. When you think about the caring place, is there one memory that stands out in your mind?
1: Yeah, there's one experience, again, that can involve Mr. Rogers that I know you'll appreciate. So we did a 30-second television spot with Fred about come to the Caring Place, you know, if this is your situation. And this 8-year-old boy sees the 30-second television spot. His dad had died. He says to his mom, Mom, if Mr. Rogers says we should go to the Caring Place, we should go to the Caring Place. So they come to the caring place and it makes a great difference for this eight-year-old who loved his dad and the mom who was grieving the death of her husband. So I call Fred up and I I tell him the story. And I say, when did you meet this eight-year-old boy? And he said, Charlie, you know I never met this eight-year-old boy. I said, oh yeah, that's right. I said, when did you talk to this eight-year-old boy on the phone? And he said, a, a little uh, a little sharply with me, he said, you know I never talked to this 8-year-old boy on the phone. I said, so let me get this right, Fred Rogers. This 8-year-old who watched you on television when he was 3, 4, and 5 is willing to go to a place that he has no idea where it is and be with people who he doesn't know who they are. In the In the crisis time of his life, he's never met you, he's never talked to you, but he's willing to go there after his dad death because you said to go. And I think, you know, what a powerful testimony of the impact of The Caring Place and the impact of Fred uh, Rogers, who would say anything that is mentionable is manageable. And I think that would apply to epilepsy, too. If we can talk about it, we can manage it, but we don't want to suffer in silence. And uh, there are so many lessons to learn from him, but what a powerful life to impact children through television. And this family, this boy's life was changed, and he never personally even met Fred, but he trusted him.
0: Isn't that amazing? That is really a powerful story. That's why I tell people, be careful, there is always a child watching you and what you do. In this case, that was a good thing that happened. That was really a good thing that happened. He really did love children. There's no question about that. Yes, he did. As you do. Today.
1: I feel blessed to be um, working at Variety with our focus on kids with disabilities, or as our parents remind us, kids with special abilities. And to have you on the board and the things we've been doing in terms of communication and mobility are just just so very exciting and you know, to be a part of helping kids um, participate in life as fully as possible, not to be left out, not to be left behind, or as you've said many times, for them to be included and to be a part of things uh, makes such a difference when you have a, a child with disabilities.
0: Yes. I only wish Mr. Rogers was here to see what you're doing now, Charlie.
1: He yeah. would love we, this. We'd have him here. involved right with us, and... and uh, uh, Fred would be right in the middle of it with us.
0: Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Well, with that, we're going to get ready to go to break. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Charlie Lavalley, the CEO of Variety, the children's charity, right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America Don't go away. We'll be right back with Charlie.
1: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Since 1985, get the news on
0: our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash voice america trn
1: if you have a question or comment call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788 now please welcome back the host of disability matters here's joy spender
0: Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Charlie LaValle, the Chief Executive Officer of Variety, the children's charity, which I am very honored to serve as a trustee. So this is what it's all about today, Charlie, Variety. Uh, So could you tell our listeners What Variety is, what is Variety, the children's charity, and how large is Variety nationally?
1: Well, Variety, the children's charity, here in Pittsburgh, it's focused on kids with disabilities. But it's interesting how we've talked about um, sometimes tragedy giving birth to a program, to initiative. And what happened here in Pittsburgh, um, really, almost 90 years ago, it was Christmas Eve one night and there were um, uh, 10 uh, businessmen and the manager of the Sheridan Theater on Christmas Eve night found a one-month-old baby in the theater. And they, these 11 men had made up Variety Club, which was the origin. And on the, there's a note on the baby, one-month-old, please take care of my baby. Her name is Catherine. I can no longer take care of her. I have eight others. My husband's out of work. She was born on Thanksgiving Day, and I've always heard of the goodness of show people, and I pray to God you'll look after her. A heartbroken mother. That's how it was signed. And so out of that wow. tragedy, these 11 men adopted Catherine, named her Catherine Variety, after Variety Club Sheridan, after the movie, after the theater, and Here's a movement that was born out of tragedy, of giving up your daughter. How painful that must have been. And now there are nearly 50 chapters, variety chapters, inside the U.S. and around the world. Um, It's exciting to me to see the growth in Indonesia, in Singapore, Australia, from something that happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, that has that tragedy has led to more than $2 billion worth of services for kids in need. And so I just think, again, that principle, if we could all learn in the midst of uh, adversity and tragedy, that good can come out of it and that we can be a part of that. And it's exciting to see what we're doing here in, in western Pennsylvania for kids with disabilities to continue the tradition of the work of variety.
0: Wow. So how many variety offices are there then? Um,
1: over 40, around 44, I think now, and um, in 20, about 20 inside the U.S. and 20-some outside the United States.
0: I mean, that is just phenomenal. When you think about that, once again, one act. The person that found Catherine saying, let's do this. I mean, look what has happened. It's just unbelievable when you think about it that way.
1: It really is. It's miraculous. Isn't that what you did? You had an experience in your own life that shaped you in the movie theater. And you almost died and had tremendous impact on your life. And you acted. You know, I think you're, you're a perfect example of one person acting. And now, you know, all these people being... Um, finding jobs, people with disabilities getting competitive jobs. You're going off to South Korea on behalf of the United States government to represent and help them think through how to place people with disabilities in jobs. I think you're so right. One person acting. One decision. One
0: decision. One decision. Well, Charlie, you know my program I love two of them. So we'll start first with My Bike, the My Bike program. Uh, What is it? What does it do for children with disabilities?
1: I think what happens, and a lot of us don't realize it because we don't have contact with kids with disabilities, but many, many children with disabilities can't ride a typical bike. So what happens is they're left out. They're not included. They sit on the porch and they watch their siblings and their friends and their family, and everybody else ride a bike. So really, what we do through the My Bike program is we provide adaptive bikes by working with physical and occupational therapists. We get the right kind of accessories, and what happens is it enables kids who have disabilities to ride bikes just like anybody else. And quite frankly, the joy that we have witnessed, you and I have seen, and the board has seen, when these kids get their bikes and they're riding, um, it's a phenomenal experience that I wish everybody could have to see the joy they feel out of the simple pleasure of riding a bike and being included with their family and friends. So this isn't complicated. This isn't peace in the Middle East. We're just trying to create awareness about it Find the kids and find the funds so that all kids with disabilities do not have to be left out, but that they can ride these adaptive bikes, feel the wind blow in their face, and um, uh, ride up and down the trails. I was with a family on Sunday night, and the mom was telling me her son's 20 now until a couple of years ago before he bought the bike. He never could ride a bike, and now he's riding three miles down the trails by the river. He can ride on his own, she can ride next to him, and his brother can ride on the other side. I mean, how perfect, you know, to have that simple uh, pleasure that many of us take for granted.
0: If you're a child, you're at home, you see your sibling riding a bike, uh, but, you know, you can't. You can't go with your friends. You can't join. You can't play. You have to sit in the house and watch. And what a difference it makes in a child's life. When they have the same access, it is phenomenal. And Charlie, you know, because I know you've—you know—I went to see when you gave some of these bikes out. But you know the look on a child's face when they get the bike. What is it like?
1: Well, he was. This happened recently out in, in Harrisburg. It was the most beautiful thing. So this dad, who's like a mountain of a man, he's here with. His daughter who's getting her bike and she's never been able to ride a bike before and she gets on it and the smile on her face is as big as it could be now he's behind her using the guide bar because where she is she needs to start out with this guide bar which helps the parents steer until the child can steer but i have to stop him because i'm watching this she's smiling so big it's so beautiful and i have to stop the dad and i say look you go out, and you watch your daughter's face. Let me guide her on the bike. You watch her. So he goes out in front of her, and here's this mountain of a man. The tears are just of joy are just streaming down his face as he's watching his daughter in the bike parade with all these other kids. He's just crying of joy because his daughter can do it, and she's doing it with other kids. It was phenomenal. And I want to
0: say this is the greatest program. It really is. You know that one simple thing, giving a child a bike. Now, keep in mind, children have various disabilities, so um, the bikes are accommodated to that child's disability. So, uh, Charlie, maybe you can explain if the child has a very, very significant disability, isn't there a bike with where the uh, parent actually steers it? Isn't that correct?
1: Sure. And, and what happens there are what's called laterals. Some of our kids couldn't sit up in the, in, the, um, in the on the seat of the bike. So we put laterals in. We might put a full trunk support, which enables the child, again, to sit. And the pedals, for some of our kids who can't keep their feet on the pedals – there are velcro pedals, because obviously if you can 't keep your foot on the pedal you 're not going to be able to pedal the bike, so all these accommodations then there 's either a front or rear steering bar for kids who have significant challenges, so each bike is adapted to the child, and that 's where the physical therapist and the occupational therapists they come in they say, "Well Joyce needs this, Charlie needs this uh, Aaron needs this you know so they 're individualizing it based on their expertise to facilitate enabling the child to do it. And I was just in, again, in another community, a mom who's a pediatric nurse and um, her um, pediatric physical therapist for her daughter, both of them thought the child would never be able to do it. We got her on the bike. It was in an ASME conference center in Harrisburg, and the daughter rode. And the mother said, I didn't think it was possible. You know, so I can't tell who to watch, the child or the parent, because both of them, the kids are just overwhelmed with joy, and the parents half the time are sobbing because they're seeing something they never thought was possible. And if we just all stopped and took that in for a minute, seeing their child do something that they never thought was possible. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of, and and we're blessed at Variety to be – facilitators of these kids being able to get bikes and thus, as you said, be included because we all need to feel like we belong, every one of us, every human being.
0: Yeah, and listen, this is really, really a big deal. I mean, can you imagine how this changes a child's life? I've seen it. I've seen when they give, uh, when Charlie gives these bikes out, I mean, if everyone listening to the show would see that, you would all be buying a bike for a child with a significant disability. It is, the look, it's as if you gave the person a million dollars. I mean, and, and not just, as Charlie said, not just the child, the siblings, the parents, everyone, everyone. And, uh, Charlie, what is the website for Variety?
1: Um, VarietyPittsburgh.org.
0: Variet- that's VarietyPittsburgh.org. VarietyPittsburgh.org. Yeah,
1: P-I-T-T-S-B-U-R-G-H. All the information's is there. Um, people can find out about it. And if they live in our 50 counties we serve, um, yeah, we're happy to work with them. And if they live somewhere else in the United States or around the world, I would encourage them um, to uh, reach out to a local variety or to a United Way and say, how do we get this program going in our part of the country? You know, because kids, as you said over and over again, need to be included. Inclusion is key.
0: Variety Pittsburgh spelled out Pittsburgh, VarietyPittsburgh.org. Go to that site. You can see some of the stories. You can see some of the photographs. Um, and guess what? You can make a donation. You can make a donation. You can help change a child's life. Uh, Charlie, one I remember, well, actually two, uh, but was the little girl with Down syndrome, I think it was, was her name Emily?
1: Emily, yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Is that the little girl that called her dad when she got on the bike? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay, tell that story. I think that's such a great story.
1: <clears throat> well, what happened was we were fitting, doing a bike fitting, because the kids have to be fit that we make sure we get them in the right bike with all the right accessories. And this mother comes with her daughter, Emily, who was 12, and, and she says to me, she says, we drove an hour, but I don't even know why we came, Charlie. She's not going to be able to do it. I said, well, geez, you drove all this way. Let's try it. So Emily, who has Down syndrome, gets on the bike, and she rides successfully, and all of a sudden she stops and she says to her mom, Mom, could we call Dad? So none of us know what's going to happen. We're all standing there watching. But Mom faithfully gets out her cell phone, dials Dad, and then all of a sudden I won't do it as loud as she did, but apparently he must answer the phone because Emily says as excitedly as she can, Dad, I just rode a bike for the very first time. We don't hear what he says, but then she says, I'm on it right now. In other words, no kidding, Dad, I'm riding a bike. And then she lowers her voice very softly and she says, Dad, are you proud of me of that? I'll never forget her word, Are you proud of me of that?
0: We don't know what Dad
1: says. But when Emily hands the phone back to her mom with a chuckle, she says he says he's proud of me.
0: Oh. And, hey uh, all everyone, varietypittsburgh.org, varietypittsburgh.org. Tell me, how long ago was that, Charlie?
1: That was in um, 2012 in, in one of our uh, that was one of our first fittings and what was really beautiful, the PS to the story, when we gave out the first big bike giveaway where we gave out those 81 bikes, which was incredible in itself, I told the story of Emily, and do you know who brought her to get her bike? Dad. Oh. So Dad is sitting oh. out there, and I'm telling the story about his daughter, and he just starts sobbing, but he, the fact that he was proud of her meant so much to him, and then she got her bike that day with him and rode that brand-new bike. And uh, we're, we're just so fortunate to be a part of these experiences, seeing um, things happen that people thought could never be done.
0: Now, you know, um, I heard that story then five years ago. Can you tell how much that impacted me? This gives you an example, listeners. Things happen. I, you just don't forget they're so unbelievable. You just don't forget. But we've got all these children out there that um, you know that we we need to help and we need to get more bikes for. Uh, now I talked about the my bike, and before I talk about the my voice, what about strollers? Now, how do strollers come into this, Charlie?
1: Uh, Joyce, I'm so glad you asked me because I have to admit. Personally, myself, I did not think our adaptive strollers, which we call the My Stroller Program, I thought it was going to be like a nice program, but I did not think it was going to be as overwhelmingly received and desired as it is. So here's kind of the background. If you uh, are a child with disabilities and you go to get a piece of mobility equipment, like a power wheelchair or a standard wheelchair, through insurance, you can't get another piece of equipment, mobility equipment, for four or five years. That's just, you know, the way the insurance is. And so what happens for a lot of families that I didn't realize certainly was, you know, if you think about it, the power wheelchair, it can't go everywhere. Like um, a grandfather was saying to me recently, Charlie, my house is not ADA compliant. I can't get my grandson in. He can't get in the house and I can't really kind of take him out in the community. And he said, now with this adaptive stroller, he said, I love this summer, I got to take him to the Dairy Queen. Well, if you stop and think about that, he wasn't talking about going to Paris, you know, going to Europe. He just wanted to take his grandson down to the Dairy Queen and get him in his house. And so what we found out was happening for a lot of families. Sometimes the power wheelchair would be left at school. Um, Sometimes the there's too many kids in the family. You know, a mother said to me recently, Charlie, I have four other kids. I can't get my daughter with disabilities and all the kids in our vehicle. I said, so what happens?" She said, well, we have less family experiences. We have to leave some of the kids at home. You know, when you start to hear this and hear how the families are um, isolated being stuck at home, not having the typical experiences that other kids have. And the most beautiful thing happened to me on Sunday night. I was with two brothers and a single mom. Uh, Jacob got the stroller from us, and Evan's his older brother. And we were at high and I was talking to the IT group, HM Solutions, and I asked the um, Evan to talk about what it meant that his brother had a stroller now, and his brother's 20. And he said, what we can do now, us two brothers, we don't need mom and the adaptive van. I can take my brother out in the car, and I can fold up this adaptive stroller, which is kind of like a souped-up umbrella stroller, if people remember what that was like for their young kids. And he said... My brother and I could do things now. We can go to the Penguins hockey game. We can go to the Pirates baseball game. We can go out together. And he wasn't saying anything negative towards his mom. But, you know, isn't that what happens as kids get older? The brothers do things together. The siblings do things together. And the joy in his face that they could have shared experiences without, you know, a special vehicle. That he could take them in his car. And it was just so incredible. And so the stroller is really, the adaptive stroller is enabling kids with disabilities to participate more fully in life and have the kind of experiences that all kids should have. It's kind of on the go. One mother said to me, with her son's wheelchair, it's 14 steps to break down. She said, by the time I break it down, load the kids in the car, and get to the grocery store, we only have time to go through the produce. And we have to go home. I said, what do you do? She said, we have to, It takes us multiple trips in a week just to get our groceries. So I don't think, again, we understand the challenges that our families are facing. And if we can make it easier, like through an adaptive stroller, um, it's, just, uh, it's just an incredible experience to provide it to them and to see their joy at having something as simple as a stroller that can, that can enable their child to go all places.
0: You know, that stroller, Charlie, let me ask you a question about this. You know, when people are hearing us, they're probably thinking like of a baby stroller only. But when he talked about Evan and his brother, mm-hmm. his brother's tall. So an adult can also use this, correct?
1: Well, yes. Um, uh, Jacob at 20 um, is, I think, 6 feet 1 now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're serving with the stroller kids 4 through 21.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I think we have minimized how our kids, young men and women, also need on-the-go mobility. They need to be able to participate in life. And um, we have what are called tie-downs so that... Um, Uh, You could take that stroller on access transportation, and, you know, it's having the right equipment enables you, again, to your point, to get out, to be included, to be a part of things, and um, uh, so, yeah, it's 4 through 21, and uh, I would just, again, people go to our website and see the stroller and see, see some of the stories and what the parents say about how it's transforming their family not just the child with disability, but the whole family, that they can go together places. And it's just so important. And, if, if we right. Think and about
0: also, that. please keep in mind, listeners, there's a limit in time of getting adaptive equipment, mobility equipment, as Charlie mentioned. And, I mean, I feel this is awesome because just as you said, getting out, just getting out, the ability to get out, the ability to go with your family, um, Another great program, but one of my, I mean, they're all so great, but this, my voice, is just unbelievable to me. I, I call it getting out of jail, getting out of prison. I mean, it is the most wonderful pro How about if you tell our listeners about that, Charlie?
1: Yeah, and I think, thank you, Joyce, for the opportunity. I think the place to begin, and again, many of us don't have contact, but if For children who are either nonverbal or have a communication disorder, and that can, you can be um, nonverbal or have this communication disorder. It could be physiological or it could be cognitive. There's many um, aspects to what drives that, and but for some of our kids, they're extremely intelligent, but they're trapped. They cannot speak. So if we stop and think about that for a minute, what have you and I been doing for the, on your radio program? We've been communicating, talking and listening, but we've been talking. And I think if we stop for a moment, all of us, and realize what would it be like if we couldn't speak or if we couldn't um, understand our children. And that's what happens for kids who are nonverbal. Uh, and I can't tell you how heartbreaking it is to listen to parents say sometimes their kids get so frustrated when they can't get understood by the parent that they might take their hand and bang their head. They might hit their head in the wall. They're just so frustrated. And think about it. If they can't tell you how they are, how do you know where the pain is if they're having pain? How do you know how much pain it is? You know? How do you know? Do we go to the emergency room? Do we go to the doctor? I mean, really the the basic communication. So if we start thinking about that, how challenging it must be for the child and the family, because then the parents will say, it frustrates me as a parent that I can't know what my child needs and wants, and um, there's nothing they say harder than to feel helpless because you don't know what to do because you can't understand. So quite simply, the My Voice program provides a communication device which enables a child to have a voice to be able to say their thoughts and their feelings, and um, that 's just so again, how do you become included in life? You have to have a voice, and what we found out when we started was that in many school districts, due to funding, people kids who were nonverbal had to share a communication device. You get it for 30 minutes, I get it for 30 minutes, and it gets shared. Well, that didn't seem right to us. We think kids should have a voice all day. And then in other school districts, you could have a dedicated communication device, but you couldn't take it home. And again, that didn't make sense to us, because we think you should be able to go home and talk to your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and grandma and grandpa. So really, the My Voice program simply provides a communication device. We do it in conjunction with speech-language pathologists who know the right application to put on this iPad. And it gives the kids a voice. They can say when they're in pain. They can say if they have to go to the bathroom. They can say when they're sad or happy. And, And so many parents have said to us, they can't wait to hear their child say, I love you for the first time. And one mom said to me recently, I don't care if it's through a device. I want to know my child is choosing to say to me, "I love you, mom." And every every family should have that. The child should be able to, and the parents should be able to hear it.
0: Yeah, just imagine. Um, if you, I know every one of us have been in situations where we've been at a social gathering, at a business meeting, whatever it is, or with family, and there's some topic going on whether it's a heated political debate or something about sports whatever it is and someone's holding court talking and you're sitting there and you're thinking oh i hope they start talking i want to say this i want to interrupt and say this and you're sitting there waiting 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 and it starts to get more making you feel more anxious and when am i going to get to uh interject my thought how would you like to not be able to do that how would you like to want to interject a thought, but it doesn't matter if anyone's talking because you can't. And as Charlie said, what if you just want to say I love you or what if you want to say, um, you know, I want to go outside or uh, I want to watch this on TV. Um, you know, I don't care what it is, and I'm going to give you a, another great story. How about the breakfast story, Charlie?
1: Well, there's a couple breakfast stories. Um... One is, um, early on when we started this, um, a grandmother was telling me she helped her daughter, who was a single parent, and um, she would get, um, help get her grandson, who was nonverbal, ready for school every morning, because her daughter would have to get off to work. And so um, uh, th- this boy, she would make him scrambled eggs every morning, and, and he seemed to like them. And then when they got the communication device, she asked him, do you want scrambled eggs this morning? And he said, no. She said, no? What do you mean no? And what would you want? He used the communication device to say to his grandmother, pancakes. And when she told me that, she was hopping And I put my arm around her and I said, look, you did the best you could at the time. Now he has a new means, so he can tell you that he wanted pancakes i mean but it's so simple right to have a to have a choice um to be able to express what you'd like like we all do right we all decide what we want to eat um you know and that's i love just, that story and then hey, the, you have another well,
0: one though go ahead what
1: the other one really the other one is by i think one of my all-time favorites It was so beautiful this mother whose daughter got a communication device she calls me up and says charlie let me tell you what happened this morning in our family i said well great what happened she said well I'm making breakfast for the whole family, and I'm distracted because I, you know, uh, with enough kids and my husband, and I'm, you know, I'm doing all the work. So my daughter uses a communication device and says she wants Pepsi and potato chips for breakfast, and she chuckles. I said, well, what'd you say? She said, I said, what well, any mother would say. You can't have Pepsi and potato chips for breakfast. And I said, well, what'd your daughter do? She said, my daughter used a communication device And for a second time, she said, Pepsi and potato chips for breakfast and chuckled. And then the mother says to me, I figured it out. And I said, what could you possibly have figured out in that 15-second interchange? She said, and it was something I was totally not expecting. She said, my daughter was joking me.
0: Oh, I know. I love that. I love that story.
1: So I said, what did you do? And she said, I did what any mother would do. I said, absolutely, absolutely not. So here they are, volleying back and forth. Pepsi and potato chips chuckle from the daughter. No, 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 from the mother going back and forth. And then the mom starts sobbing. And I must admit, I did too, because I I was so focused on the kids talking about pain and when they were sick and going to the bathroom. I didn't think about every daughter should be able to joke her mom. I know you joked yours, and every mom should be able to be joked by her daughter because aren't those the simple moments of joy in our life where we're laughing? We can't even remember what we were laughing about, but it was, it was just to have the opportunity to share that moment, that funny, silly moment. So shouldn't our kids with disabilities have the same opportunity to have those silly family moments of laughter? Oh, that,
0: is such a, that is such a great story. Uh, now, once again... The device, iPad device. If you want to make a contribution for my voice, it's Variety Pittsburgh spelled out Pittsburgh. Variety Pittsburgh dot o r g. Variety Pittsburgh dot um, I mean, as you can see, stroller, my bike. You can probably tell I'm very passionate about this. But I am all about inclusion. As you all know, I'm living with epilepsy, but there are many children living with epilepsy that would not be able to ride a bike or have a voice and could use a stroller. Many, 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 many various disabilities. So to me, this is just the greatest Absolute. I love to be on this board because I believe in the mission, and we are so blessed to have Charlie Lavalley because he is the chief. What are you, Charlie? Chief? Chief
1: Excitement Officer is what I'd like chief my title excitement to be.
0: Excitement Officer. If you could help that me to the board to change that from of
1: executive to excitement, I would prefer Chief Excitement Officer.
0: Yeah, well, you are the Chief Excitement Officer. <laughs> um, and, and, again, we're all, Charlie, where all is Variety doing this.
1: Well, we're doing this. Geographically, I mean, the My Bike, My Voice, and My Stroller are here in in um, Western Pennsylvania and some parts of uh, West Virginia. And I guess Joyce, what would be important for me to share with your listeners what you and I have talked about? I think if with the way technology is changing and improving, if we can help kids who are nonverbal start with this communication device we have, this basic device, technology is going to change. And I know you and I feel this. Perhaps in, in someday down the road, because they started now, as technology changes, maybe through Bender Consulting, maybe these variety kids one day are going to be having a job, a competitive job, and they're going to be able to have that self-sufficiency you talk about. And they're going to be able, as I've heard uh, many of the Bender um, employees who get placed in jobs talk about now they can get married and now they can have a family, and it opens up their whole life and um, I think we have an opportunity here. We have to dedicate ourselves now to helping these kids learn to communicate with technology, because who knows what advances will happen. Would't that be a tremendous part of the story if one day you're placing them in competitive jobs?
0: Oh yeah, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Uh, and, by the way, listen, Charlie, if someone's listening right now and they want a child to participate, their child, what do they do?
1: Well, again, they go to our website, Variety Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh spelled out, .org. The applications for every program are there. Our phone number's there. They can call us. We're happy to talk with them about it. But everything they really need should be online to tell them, If they're in our program area and eligible, how they can apply, they can download the application right from their home and um, talk about it and um, send it in. And there's videos on our website. And um, I just think um, I watched this young man the other night use his um, uh, communication device to tell jokes. That was a beautiful moment. And kind of what you were saying earlier, we all all like to be part of it. And why shouldn't our uh, kids and, and young people with disabilities, why shouldn't they be able to tell funny stories just like everybody else? We just need to get them the device. This isn't, again, complicated. I think that's the thing that is most incredible to me. We can do this if we commit ourselves to it. There's no reason why our kids shouldn't have the chance to fully participate in life and have a voice. Like one mother said when her son got it, she said, Charlie, now he can take his voice everywhere. And I had a young man recently at um, Forbes Forbes, uh, Hospital got his communication device with Dr. Mark Rubino, the CEO out there, and it was so cool. When this young man was leaving, Joyce, if you can imagine this, he comes over and he puts his arm around my shoulder and he uses his communication device and he says, thank you, and walks out. Because he has a voice, you know. I watched the young man the other night who we gave it to. He goes up to the um, concession stand and he asks for a root beer using his, con- his his communication device. So you know, I know these are simple things, but I think if we all think about it, life is made up of a lot of simple, basic things yeah. like that.
0: And and that is so that again, just to be able to participate, that that is so important. So Charlie, wow, you are the Chief Excitement Officer, and I don't know how you got this way, but that is my question is, who is your role model and
1: why? Well, I've been blessed with a number. One would be that person I mentioned earlier, Fred Rogers. I think having Mr. Rogers, um, to be close to Fred and to see the kind of person he is and the commitment he made to my son Daniel was just remarkable. But I guess at this point in my life, uh, my grandfather was a great role model, and my mother, who lived with me for a decade before, she's in hospice care now, and I watched my mom, this woman who worked um, 14 hours a day, uh, six days a week for 50-plus years in our little bakery in Oakland uh, by the hospitals and universities, and what's interesting to me now is my mom is still strong mentally, but her body is shot she can't stand she can't walk except for holding a peanut butter jelly sandwich she can't feed herself and i watch her deal with adversity every day and she has to accept the challenge but she still is so affirming to the people who are taking care of her and she's interested in their families and their life and i feel blessed to still have her i know you had your loss and um I feel every day is a gift, and I watch her. She taught me a lot about hard work, about dedication, because we had a lot of mental illness in our family, and my mother was wonderful at caring for her her family and those who were challenged with that. But the lesson I'm learning for her now is how to accept adversity when you can't just fight through it. And that's a very powerful lesson I'm realizing, that sometimes you have to accept and in our family, uh, as we certainly believe in God, to trust God even in the difficult experiences. So I feel blessed to get to watch my mother and to have her every day as a blessing. And um, she's teaching me about the uh, preciousness and the fragileness of life. And I learned a lot of lessons from her before. Uh, but I'm still learning now when you um, cannot change your circumstances, how you adapt to them and are still a kind, caring person.
0: Well, Charlie, uh, wow. That is, a, that is a powerful and a great story. That really is. So, Charlie, for all of our listeners, um, you've done so much already at Variety. I mean, you are Chief Excitement Officer, but if you had to say one thing last year, what would you say was your greatest accomplishment?
1: Uh, Last year, um, the greatest accomplishment was probably not something I did. It was a blessing that was given to me to become a grandfather and get to love um, a newborn baby, my son Daniel's daughter, Kalea Grace, and to realize um, that I've been given a great gift to help build her and have her believe in herself. So it wasn't so much an accomplishment It was something that was given to me that I feel so fortunate, and as I get to love her, and as she's coming up to one year of age, and the way she's able to develop and the opportunities she has, it reminds me that whatever I want for her, it's important to want for all kids, and that our kids with disabilities need to have the same opportunities and the same opportunity to have a full life that my granddaughter is going to have who was born typical. And so um, I'm learning uh, a new phase of life, but it, what it's doing is it's enabling me to take that passion back to our work to make sure that I know you agree with me, that our kids with disabilities are not forgotten, are not left behind, but are included in as many experiences as they can be. And um, the thing I've learned from them, I guess, And maybe they're the real heroes. Um, They're teaching me. Their joy, I have found, is transformative. And I wish everybody could encounter our kids and realize that the kids, while they um, have received from us, they also want to be helpers. But their joy is transformative if our hearts are open to their joy.
0: Oh, that is so true. Hey, Charlie, I can't thank you enough for being with us today today. Uh, And I hope everyone listening to the show will tell someone else to hear it. It is archived at voiceamerica.com and at benderconsult.com. And you can download it from iTunes. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Uh, A great 2017 for variety. Uh, And we end every show with a quote. And today it is, The greatest gift you ever give is your honest self. Said, Mr. Fred Rogers, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. See you next week with our guest, Paul Timmons. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters, right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.